0: Welcome to the Discollective Podcast. We're glad you could join us. I'm Greg Lambrecht, founder of Intrinsic Therapeutics, and one of the inventors of the Barricade annular closure device. In this four-part interview series, Getting the Most from Barricade, you'll hear from Dr. Pierce Nunley, who you heard from in the first series, and Dr. Adisa Krasumovic, who is a neurosurgeon, interventional neuroradiologist, and radiologist in Fehlingen, schwenningen Germany. You're listening to Chapter 2, Surgical Steps for Implantation. Let's hear from these two great spine surgeons.
1: The next thing that we want to talk about is the device itself and the learning curve for somebody. Obviously, you've done 200, so you're well past that. But how many cases does it take before uh, you start to feel comfortable?
2: I guess you'll need three to five cases to really get comfortable with this implant. What I usually recommend to anyone who starts with this procedure is to try to bundle the patients due to the fact that you decide intraoperatively if the patient will get this implant or not. You might end up in not having implantation, but if you try to bundle your suitable candidates for barricade and do your first three to five surgeries in a month, you will really get very familiar with the implant and will get comfortable with implanted in the
1: future. So what about the sizing of the implant? That always seems to be a source of kind of consternation when we start a new implant, like for example, cervical TDR, at one point when people were putting in large ones. And then we learned that if you're between sizes, you go down a size. So what would you say about the barricade sizing?
2: That's probably one of the lessons that we've learned in the real world setting. When you first start you have the feeling oh this is a huge implant and you tend to use the smaller one you have to know that the uh, barricade consists of the annular anchor which is always the same size and then you have mesh which is eight or ten millimeters and we were very lucky in europe to even have for real world uh, patients to have the 12 millimeter implant and what we've learned over time when you get familiar when you get comfortable with the implant we were using larger implants and that's probably one of the reasons that we were able to reduce the number of reherniations in the real world setting in a higher numbers of cases than the one in the RCT so as i said that's one of the lessons we've learned trying to seal the annular defect with the largest mesh possible so oversizing a bit
1: so these are- I think the next thing that I would like to go into and really help our audience understand is the steps that are involved and uh, kind of break this down. You know, There's four steps that surgeons like yourself that have taken all this information and said, this is the way to do this. First is access, obviously. The second is assessing your annular defect. Third is your sizing and alignment. And the fourth obviously is implantation. So be good to kind of just go through those one at a time if we could. And maybe first talk about the access part of it, the OR setup, et cetera, and what kinds of approaches.
2: Well, the barricade surgery is slightly different than the normal disc herniation procedure that you're used to do. This is a fluoro-guided surgery, so you definitely need fluoroscopic guidance in order to be able to implant it properly. You and your team need to prepare for that. And while using the fluoroscopy, you'll need to have a really good view to the monitor. So you will want to have monitor in front of you. You do not want to need to turn around and uh, look on the side, enable able to be very secure in, by, while implant. And the positioning of the patient uh, mm-hmm. changes slightly compared to your normal right. disc herniation surgery, because you want to stay perpendicular to the disc space. And you will have to elevate the patient slightly uh, more than you usually do for a disc herniation patient. And you will end up in having your skin incision probably one to two centimeters more cranial compared to the normal disc procedure, because you really want to go straight down to your disc place and not to be oblique in order to have a prior and uh, correct implantation. That's probably. The only thing you will have to think of before starting with the surgery, after you start, you will notice that for the sizing implant, you will need a slightly more bone removal than what we are usually used to do. What we all needed to learn when we started working with Barricade is searching for an annular defect. And that's probably the first step you will do after taking out the fragment after doing your sequestrectomy, right. is um, searching for the annular defect. Sometimes they are subligamenters, so you will have to go underneath the posterior uh, ligament. And once you find the annular defect, mm. you will want to mm-hmm. visualize it better. Mm-hmm. I never take knives or any cutting tools, enlarging the defect, which is already there, So I usually go for the pre-existing defect and then visualize it and try to measure it properly. You have these measurement tools. That's already intraoperative. That's already the second step: um, Hmm. visualizing and measuring the annular defect. And there are probably a few potential mistakes that you can do at this step as well. For example, uh, when you measure the width and the height of the annular defect. I always recommend colleagues to take the measurement tool out and turn it over and then measure the height. What you shouldn't do is to rotate the measurement tool inside the disk space because in that case, you definitely can enlarge the hole. So that's also something what you want to learn. I don't think that this metal stick are Mm -hmm, perfectly mm -hmm. suitable for measuring the annular defect because annular defect can have different shapes. It can go towards the opposite side, for example. I sometimes think that you have the natural limitations towards lateral, you have the facet joints, toward medial, you have the dura, which is retracted. So sometimes you feel that you are measuring the annular defect, but you are not precisely or exactly Mm -hmm. measuring it. Sometimes it's bigger than it is. Mm. So what I used to do is to go inside the annular defect with the hook And especially look to the Mm -hmm. contralateral side, if the annulus Mm. is competent, if the annulus is okay, or if you have a weak annulus towards the medial side. And in that cases, I usually take the the larger implant these days. Uh If I measure six or eight, I would probably go for 10 in that case anyway.
1: Excellent. You know, one of the things that I've find uh, really helps it because you talk about where to center your incision is I will take two 18 gauge spinal needles preoperatively and place them and then take a control at that point to precisely do what you're saying to make sure that they're lined up with the disc space above and below so that particularly in obese patients that incision can really move quite a bit if you're slightly off angles. I think that's really important particularly if people are using tubes now, concerning tubes, I don't know if those are things that you use, but can this be done through tubes?
2: I don't use tubes, but I we have colleagues who are operating barricade through the tubes, and I know that it works well. 20, 22 millimeters is not a problem, and they've tried it with the tubes down to 18 millimeters. Yeah. So it does work
1: with tubes. I have no experience with tubes. I used to, but I I got away from them with smaller retractors that I I personally think do just as well. So that's a topic of another discussion. But talk a little bit about the sizing and alignment of your alignment tool and how important that is and how you select whether to use the uh, inferior or superior end plate.
2: In some cases, you have rather caudally sequestrated disc and the annular defect is very close to the caudal end plate. And in that case, I would probably go for the caudal vertebral uh, body for the implantation. In the other cases where you have cranially sequestered disc, you would probably want to go toward cranial. Uh, what we've learned over time, and we, we used to say L5 is your friend, yeah, especially because I mentioned it earlier, that sometimes you may end up in having bigger problems in implanting in sacrum because sacrum is very hard right and then you have the angle of in sacrum is probably like the most challenging one correct so you will have to go very cranial in order to implant it perpendicular to your end plate correct. but if you choose L5 in that case you will end up in having much nicer angle for the implantation so the majority of the cases you will be able to choose and then go for the vertebral body which is easier accessible and which makes the implantation uh, more comfortable for yourself and for for the rest of the team
0: stay tuned to hear from the experts on lessons learned and reoperation strategies next time in chapter three if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe wherever you're listening to watch the entire interview head over to youtube.com forward slash barricade. Thanks to Dr. Nunley and Dr. Kosumovich, and thank you for listening and for helping us build a world where lumbar herniation doesn't define lives. Barricade is indicated for reducing the incidence of re-herniation and reoperation in skeletally mature patients with radiculopathy, with or without back pain, attributed to a posterior or posterior lateral herniation, and confirmed by history, physical examination, and imaging studies, which demonstrate neural compression using MRI, to treat a large annular defect between 4 and 6 millimeters tall and between 6 and 10 millimeters wide, following a primary discectomy procedure at a single level between L4 and S1. All medical devices have risks. Please refer to barricade.com slash instructions for a full list of benefit and risk information. U.S. law restricts this device to sale by or on the order of a physician. The guests on this podcast are consultants of Intrinsic Therapeutics. Until next time on the Discollected Podcast.